Hello and welcome back to Castle Rock Critical, where today we will be discussing the full and final official trailer for Castle Rock Season 2. Woo! That's right, that's uh, Emma. Today I'm joined by Emma. Hello! Back once again to delve through the trailers with me. Um, We covered the teaser trailer, as I said, about a week or so ago. Um, And as the release of Season 2 is very fast approaching on October 23rd, Mm -hmm. we are getting more and more story details revealed to us. And this is no exception. This is the full official trailer. Um, First impressions of the trailer, Em? Yeah, I liked it. Um, it was it fleshed out some of the stuff we talked about gave us some new things mm. uh, brought up characters I'm really excited to see yep. develop yep uh, some yeah. actual dialogue which I think yeah. is the important thing because that did help yeah the previous trailers have had a lack of that we heard Annie Wilkes or you know played by um, Lizzie Kaplan do. yeah do it for you yeah we heard her briefly no, but wait. this was actually that's Brian Adams yeah, very good everything I do okay yeah, brilliant um, good yeah yeah. We could get sued for that, in all seriousness. No. So stop stop doing it. Um, but no, it was nice to finally hear her as Annie Wilkes. Some consistent dialogue. We yep. also heard from a couple of other characters that we're going to talk about. But I think, you know, this isn't going to be a massively long podcast because we've already talked about the season quite a lot, but mm-hmm. we wanted to talk about this trailer with you guys. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to play the trailer. We're searchers, you and me. you deserve a chance to make a place in the world. See, I'm a searcher who just wants to settle. Wants it bad. Just can't seem to find that place that'll live up to you, my perfection. You want to tell me what you're doing in this place? Well, that's a fine thing to say to a customer. Customer who has brought the host of problems to my town, which already has enough problems. You don't know a cock a thing about us. This town is not a good place. We're running from something, aren't we? I will always do anything to keep you safe. People around here, they forget. They forget the past. It's written in blood. I'm warning you. Something bad is coming. You listen to me now. People in places like this try to make you one of them. So they can use you and throw you away. But I won't It'll be blood on Christmas before I let them. That's the story, soup to nuts. Right, Em, let's start, as I said, with Lizzie Kaplan playing Annie Wilkes. Yeah. Uh, As I said, we did hear a bit of her in the last trailer, hearing a lot more of her in this trailer. Uh, the use of the word cockadoody is back. Cockadoody. Who knew that her backstory? Um, you know, I thought that was a word that would have developed over time. Turns out, just she always used you it. You can't have Annie Wilkes without her aversion to swearing, and you know, swearing is cockadoody. She. I might take that on. Fuck that. I'm definitely not. Definitely not. She is excellent in this trailer. Yeah. Um, I. I'm not saying I was skeptical of the casting. 
but I, I just didn't know if, if she'd be able to do it justice or whatever. But the way she's talking, everything mm. about it is so in line with the film and, you know, the, the, the version that we saw. She's clearly taken a huge amount of inspiration from, from Kathy Bates. Yeah. Um, but Kathy Bates epitomises Annie Wilkes. Um, and I think that um, I was really excited to see Lizzie Kaplan do it because I like her as an actress. I think she's, yeah, the, I really right, like her. she's the right kind of actress for this. Um, I was I was chatting with John earlier actually about uh, our thoughts about he who shall not be named. Yes, we're actually in his house right now. We are. He's eating chicken in he, the kitchen. He picture this, listeners. John, hello. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he's in the kitchen eating chicken, refusing to be on this podcast. So he's like. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. You were talking to John. Uh, talking about like, is it is it the right thing to do to do a young Annie Wilkes? Is that the right approach? And and I think that. We were talking about how, you know, season one, um, very much kind of new, it's different. Um, mm. It's not, it, although it's based in, you know, canonical Castle Rock, it yeah. doesn't really follow a story. Um, whereas season two is very clearly based on two distinct characters slash storylines from the King canon. Uh, and is that the right thing to do? Is that, yeah. the, is that the thing to do to bring in a, a wider audience? And, and I like it. So you mean that in reference of season one, you think the kid storyline obviously isn't really pulling on anything other than all the Easter eggs uh, alluding to the fact of who the character of the kid was. Yeah. You're just saying that that was a whole new storyline created, whereas this is a is something that we actually have canon for yes. and that we can literally uh, analyse. And actually, having, having started reading the Dark Tower series... Mm, very good. Uh, season one makes a little more sense to me. Yeah, well, obviously, but, when you're talking about the King multiverse, yes. something like the Dark Tower, as we referenced every single week in King Corner, a mm-hmm. special segment that we have here at Castle Rock Critical, uh, where we go through all the King references and Easter eggs, you know, to understand that multiverse, you have to have read the Dark Tower. You do, you do. You really and, do. Uh, so I, I've just finished the drawing of the three. Oh. Uh, which I really enjoyed. And then, really annoyingly, so I bought that for £6 on Kindle, went to the charity shop, £1, paperback copy. Okay. I've finished it now, so... Good. Uh, No, but I I like the idea that we're basing this around two very, very popular Stephen King stories. I mean, obviously, Misery, which is my favourite Stephen King Mm -hmm. now, uh, and Salem's Lot. Which yep. I have not read, but it is on my list once I have finished. And you will have read it by the time we get round to the I season's will. start. I'm currently reading a book called Ducks Newburyport, which well, is 1,000 pages of a single sentence. Sack that off. No, uh, you know, no, I love it. I, it's nominated, shortlisted for the Booker Prize. Okay, well, it's not going to be something we're covering. We're not covering no, the Ducks. So when I, when I finish that, uh, when I finish Ducks, I will be straight on to Salem's Lot. Good, yes, three weeks. Good, yep. get on it. Oh, it won't take me long. Um, but in the book, you know, let's talk about Misery because there's a couple of differences, obviously, between the book and the the, the film. Yes. Uh, and I want to talk about some of them that we get little glimpses of here in the trailer. So in the book, Annie, you know, uses a axe, right? Mm-hmm. In the book to chop off his foot. Yeah. But in the film version, they use a mallet. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? Because yeah, we ho- see that yeah, in this trailer. to hobble. And we, then we see that she picks up the mallet in this trailer. Yeah. Which was another... So we had, in the previous trailer, we had the wheelchair rolling out and it was very creepy mm-hmm. and kind of like, you know, such a nod to Paul Sheldon's character um, just rolling around that terrible cabin. Poor Paul. Yeah, poor Paul. Um, so it looks like they've gone with 
similar to what they did actually in the previous season with film version the, rather than book the film version rather than the book obviously in the last season they went with the film version of the shining with references to the axe yep. with references with jackie torrance and all of that sort of stuff and and this looks like they've gone with the mallet here so they've gone with the film version of misery which is obviously what the audience will know they're they're obviously planning that the audience will know more about the film than necessarily the, the book well, yeah, I mean, look, let, let's face it, how many people do you know, apart from us little nerdies, that have read Misery? I know no one. Well, exactly, that's what I mean. So, so that, that, it makes that's sense. why they're leaning like it. it towards that. Also, it was a mallet in The Shining as well. He likes a mallet, didn't he? Kingy. Oh, Stevie. Kingy likes to just revisit the same things over and over again. We've talked about this before, Native American Indian burial grounds. Yep. That sort of, you know, talking, you know, the Wendigo. We're talking The Shining. Oh, you know, we're talking there. several things, aren't we, really? Yeah, we well, are. Not only that, he likes the number 19, as we know. That he does, yeah. I, so, I like the fact that they've gone for the, the slightly more commonly recognised um, weapon of choice. And that scene, or that, that glimpse of that scene is great. Like, she looks batshit crazy. It's brilliant. Her yeah. eyes. Her eyes, man. Sticking on Annie Wilkes, we see the teen daughter, which I, I believe she's called Joy. She is. So, this is interesting to me, because... I don't know much about this relationship. What I do want to ask you about is about her ex-husband. Ralph. Ralph. Ralph Dugan. Okay. Do Uh, we think he will be in this? Do we think any of that? Listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the book, she doesn't have a daughter. Mm. This is is Shonley. Shonley. Um, and also... I, I, that we know of, though. I, I take... Well, yeah. I take slight umbrage with her being described as a teenager because she looks like she's about 10. Yeah, well... Eh, anyway. Um, I think it would be very interesting to see Ralph and I wonder um, how that will work in the show because if we're doing the backstory of Annie Wilkes, that's an important part of it, isn't it? And I, and I think that would be that would be good. I don't remember a huge amount about him in the novel, but he is mentioned. Mm, and that's the thing we're exploring the Annie Wilkes backstory in a contemporary time, which I really and we are we sort of not we, argue, to, we, we debated around this we, last week, didn't we? Didn't we didn't argue. Actually, we did eventually no, fall down on the fact that from, yeah, from what we saw in the trailers, we 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 reckon that because we've seen the laptop being used and the internet. Yeah. And all this stuff, they've just updated the Annie Wilkes storyline and put it into a modern day setting. And again, most of these things, that doesn't matter in Stephen King. You know, especially something like Misery is a timeless story. You just replace the typewriter for a laptop yep. or a computer yep. or whatever. Yep. She says in this trailer, she's been always been looking for a place to settle, yeah. uh, for a place to sort of belong. Uh, then we see that juxtaposed with the Castle Rock sign. It looks like yep. she, she's... You know, she's going from town to town trying to find a place for her and her daughter. She's obviously on the run because we see the wanted posters again, which nicely ties into the scrapbook that Paul Sheldon finds in the house when he's trapped there. And And Joy talks about, are we running from something? Yeah, exactly. Um, Which clearly she is. She is a wanted uh, woman by the FBI. Yeah, I mean, and the question is, is, is it just that she's running from? Is she also running from Ralph? What do we know about that? Exactly, we don't know exactly, anything. Exactly. She could be. So it's really interesting. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think, I think they've made a good choice with this. Um, and I think Lizzie Kaplan, Lizzie Kaplan is spot on mm. casting. Now, we talked about Shawshank last time. Yes. Being a heavy, heavy influence on season one with mm-hmm. everything that went on there and how just horrific that place was. Uh, we see a sign for Shawshank here. Uh, how much do you think we will see uh, the prison this season? 
Well, question time. Good question. Because it was so much in integral. the first... I mean, I think five episodes of the first ten episodes included scenes from the prison. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, so integral to the story because of the kid and, and you know, so many other kids, things. The kid, our guard, our boy, the guard, our you boy. know, who's tragic, tragic ending, but was honestly one of the best Amazing. sequences in terms of just shock. And I couldn't believe that. It was just unbelievable. So I think there are two ways they can go with this. So one yeah. is that they're, they're just positioning it for us. We might see it once or twice. And just if this is post mm-hmm. the kid, then we might see what's what's happening there now. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because mm. in, the, in, in season one of Castle Rock, uh, they close Shawshank down at the end. Because of what's happened with the kid, yeah. his false imprisonment and all of this, this this stuff that's been going on, the fact it was released to the press, you saw it closing down. But now we know that this is set in a sort of more contemporary time. It makes it extremely interesting for me to think. Maybe this is like 10 years before the events of season one. Maybe we're talking early 2000s, potentially. 10 years before, 10 years after. Yeah. We don't know. We, I, don't, I don't know if we're going to be able to date it. Well, it's going to be... Very- we'll be, have to take it from the... Um- or I suppose from the like the nuances and, and the Easter eggs that we see to be able to judge that because I I yeah. don't know where we're set. Or we can take it from a completely way that <coughs> a way that is relevant to season one, which was the fact that we had the schisma, these alternate dimensions, alternate timelines. Yeah. I mean, like we said last the, week, where the, what timeline are we in? Yeah, the story is so open; they could just literally go, "No, this is just an alternate universe yeah. that that we're running parallel to." the one that we saw last season. So that's really interesting. We talked a lot about the Merrill family being heavily used with yeah. Pop Merrill being played by our boy Tim Robbins of I'm Shawshank so fame. Yeah, that is he, that is great casting. And I think we said this before, last season had great casting using the original Carrie as they did, uh, you know. Yeah, Sissy Spacek. Sissy Spacek. Um, and yeah, so good. I'm I'm really excited to see something more fleshed out about the Merrills because you see them in a, in a couple of short stories and, and I think a novel never really is as central integral characters. Um, or, but yeah, the short story, like you were saying, is is the body right with Ace yeah, with Ace, which is we, yeah. Stand by Me. So you get Ace and, and Pop is mentioned, I think, and um, and then you also um, Ace hangs out with Leland Gaunt in Needful Things, yep. I believe. Yep. Um, so you see him a little bit, but but only really as a periphery character. Um, but Pop Merrill, I know, comes up in something else. And um, Sun Dog, the Sun Dog, that's yeah. it. Yeah, which is supposed to be really interesting. And he's essentially like the the, the crime family boss. You know, the Merrills are the the the, the, maf- the, bad the mafia of Castle Rock. Of Castle Rock. Um, and so I'm really really excited about that. And I and I love the fact that they're using Tim Robbins. You know, like we said about Sissy Spacek, I think it's really interesting. And I th- and looking at him in this trailer, I think he's going to nail it. I think he well, he's delivering his dialogue very well. I think he looks <laughs> the part. I think I think he's making the character of Pop Merrill a very interesting, an interesting character, not one that is you know, like you said, the head of this crime sort of a family that does a lot of crime, right? But mm-hmm. I get the impression that he he's sort of this morally grey character from this trailer. That's what I'm getting. Whereas I'm getting the view that his nephew, Ace who we do know a lot more about because of the body, because of needful things. Yeah. We know in the canon that he is a much more evil character in terms of, he, he you know, he's played by Keeper Sutherland in, the, in, like, in Stand Keith By Me, right? Keeper playing Ace is just like yeah. one of my favourite things in the world. Exactly. Because it reminds me of the Lost Boys, that kind of character. Yeah. Like really very like tr- like classic Kiefer. Yeah. So we just know that he's, he's looking to usurp maybe Tim Robbins' character in this? Potentially. I also think that the guy that's playing Ace has got a lot to live up to here. A hell of a lot to live up to. Like, Kiefer Sutherland's Ace Merrill is 
the best. It's not like last season when we were talking about our boy Pangborn, who Pangers. obviously has been played by several people, as we've as we've mentioned before. But Scott Glenn absolutely fucking nailed that. Yeah, that and is true. Yeah. had the most tragic moment of last season. So <sighs> I hope there's a character like, you know, it's interesting because obviously Pangborn was, a, you know, a bit of a, a nemesis for the Merrills. Yeah. So I want to know if we're going to see Pangers again. I mean, obviously, it'd be kind of a shame because the way his character sort of ended last I season think we will. was beautiful. I think we're in another, I think we're in another reality. Yeah, I think we're in like an alternate timeline. And maybe the kid will appear and that's our, that's our grounding thing. But I, but I don't know. The kid or maybe. um, uh, Yeah. I'm kind of, what, Henry? Yeah. I'm kind of hoping that if Castle Rock is fortunate enough to get several seasons, and this is something we talked about briefly last season, uh, Mm. and it was a thing that came in feedback quite a few times. I'm hoping that they seed different elements of these stories in each season yeah so maybe just reference them or have a bit of information about them that we didn't know before and mm. then similar to what american horror story does is that eventually they'll sort of merge together yeah. by the end of this the series so maybe if it has five seasons eventually maybe we will revisit the kids we revisit yeah. some of these characters and we'll get more information on them through i the think seasons. that would be nice that would be good that would be clever especially when they're referencing everything all the time and it's something the show is very good at doing yeah so that would be good to see. Let's talk about Salem's Lot, which I know that you are going to be reading up on quite a bit. I yeah. necessarily don't have time to read it, but we're going to watch the film. Len actually uh, can't read. I can't read. I Sorry. Picture books only. It's like when I gave yeah. John the comics to read of Walking Dead. He enjoyed those. He did. He loved them. He bloody loved them. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about that because right, there's a couple of locations that we see. Yeah, so we see Marston House and Salem's Lot. Right. So Marston House is... Um, is is way our main kind of area in Salem's Lot from what I've read pre-reading the novel. So Marston House used to be uh, the home of a serial killer who then killed himself and his wife there. Classic Castle Rock stuff. Classic. Remember season uh, season one episode eight when we had Gordy. Yes. Gordy and his wife and that whole. Love that. That was a Still great episode. Still want to stay in that murder. That was John's favorite episode actually. It was, it was brilliant. It was a great episode. Um, and so then the the guy that is the from what I understand is the central character in Salem's Lot who is a reporter or writer then. Moved Moves into this house to write a story or whatever, and he ends up finding some like Ukrainian vampires. vampire living there. Which is what we were talking about in in the previous episodes. Yes. Are we going to see vampires? Are we going to see? I don't these think supernatural we elements. Are. Yeah, I mean, but it's just interesting they've chosen this very iconic location. You know, Salem's Lot is about you know one of Stephen King's centerpiece works. Having said that, though, how can you do Salem's Lot without vampires? Well, they're they're going to have to. I'll be able to tell you by the time we watch it. Yeah, but... of course, but they're going to have to talk about it somehow like even if it's just referenced mm. as like a rumor or hearsay you know the way they did last season with certain throwaway lines newspaper articles um, dog goes rabies wild exactly yep. that was just perfectly done didn't need Poor to go Sheriff into it Bannerman. anymore you know we had the montage of them going through the house and lots of things have happened in the house mm. that guy that guy slit his wrists you know that we saw potentially a link to christine the car we saw yeah. loads of other stuff like that so i really hope we get more uh, of that I, I think it would be I think it would be difficult to do it without vampires, but I think I'm interested to see... I am interested mm. to see what the, what they do with it. Okay. Well, let's talk about the song that yeah. is on the trailer. And tell me, Len, where's that song from? Well, as you know, we had 
in our off season, we went through a lot of Stephen King retrospectives where some of us had not seen some of the adaptations that Stephen it's King It's John's favourite miniseries. done, yes. And something that is being remade, and we talked about being remade so last excited. week. Um, with a great cast, actually, unbelievably, um, I can't believe the cast it's got, is The Stand. And we covered the miniseries, uh, The Stand, for to 1 hour fair, 30. Um, Gary Sinise was amazing. Right. God love him. But that was the worst thing I've ever watched. It's up there. Worse than Tommy Knockers. I know a lot of people love it, and I don't want to talk badly about it, but I will. <laughs> I enjoyed it, and I actually gave it a decent score when we reviewed it in our Blueberry Scale. Everyone else hated it. Yeah, uh, they were angry at me for asking them to a read it and b no, uh, I love the it. book. Oh, you like the book? Did you? Uh, yeah, I absolutely love the book. It was you amazing. complained quite a lot about actually having to read it in the time frame. Oh yeah, sorry, it's so, fucking huge. Yeah, you did a good job. But what I will say is the song that we see in this or hear in this trailer is "I'll Be Seeing You," which is obviously a very yeah. very famous song, but it's actually in the King Canon in the stand. Yes, it is in the book. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's quite a key um, key part of of that part of it. And actually, the interesting the interesting thing about this is that we don't really I don't really see how the stand fits here. I just but think I like the nod. It's just a little. They love their references, yeah. and the thing is, you know, the the stand is obviously one of the more musical King books, right? Because obviously, you've got. Um, well, it's all they have. Mother, Ab- Mother Abigail and that guy oh, playing Abigail. the guitar. And, you know, it's a very musical book, right? So yeah. it's interesting that they use this song. I think it's just another little little Easter egg saying, hey, look, mm. this is full Stephen King canon here. We're throwing loads of different things at you. Yeah. Can you pick up on them? Did you know that Whoopi Goldberg is in the yeah. remake of The Stand? Wh- Whoopi Goldberg. James Ale- Marsden. Alexander Skarsgård. James Marsden and Amber Heard. It's unbelievable. I heard Marilyn Manson's in it as well. Oh, fucking A. I can't I believe Marilyn the Manson. cast. So we're definitely going to be covering that again. So 100%. That, do not worry. That will be on this Castle Rock Critical channel. Um, I just want to say that obviously we're talking a lot about references and Easter eggs. And as I've already mentioned, we do have a dedicated section on each episode called King Corner, which will detail mm-hmm. every single Easter egg and reference that we pick up in that episode. Basically, you just had 20 minutes of King Corner. You, it was essentially King Corner. Yeah. It was, it was theorising, which is something yeah. that we love to do here. Oh, don't um, be just. I love a theory. I will say that last season, what was great was getting your feedback and the ability yeah. to pick up on certain Easter eggs and references that we missed because we're only human. We have to get the episodes out to you guys in a very short space of time. Timely fashion. Very timely fashion after the show because I know everyone wants to listen to the content. So if you have any feedback for us on this or any of these trailers or any of the information about Castle Rock Season 2 before it airs on October 23rd, you can get in touch with us. You can email us at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com. And we have already had some feedback this season. We have. Uh, just Quite want to say... feedback. So, you good know, fair play, guys. In detail feedback. And that's what I like. So, uh, Gary Lewis has been in touch uh, via email. Once again, at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can email us and he has said this he listened and enjoyed our recent podcast on Castle Rock Season 2 focused on the teaser trailer he wants to bear mention to a couple of things first if we haven't read up on the Salem's Lot lore make sure you read all three stories centred in it so this is for you Emma okay I'm listening so you're being told thanks for the heads up Gary aside from Salem's Lot itself there are two short stories 
He says he thinks that the short stories are in Night Shift. Uh, they're also set in the town. One is a sequel set about a decade later, which reveals that vampires have indeed claimed Ooh. the town. The other is a prequel nearly uh, 200 years earlier, which reveals the terrible evil resided there long before the vampire king Barlow was drawn to that place. That's very So we talked about the Marston House. And yeah. what was interesting about the trailer, actually, is you did see imagery which looked hundreds of years ago. Oh, what? I've just read the rest of his feedback and I've got a spoiler for the Dark Tower series now. Well, don't read um, the feedback. Let me read it to you. <laughs> but what I'll say is we did see that imagery in, yeah. in the trailer. So it, it looks like they're going to be exploring the history of the town. And I and I really, really like that. And actually, thank you, Gary, because I uh, will happily read a couple of short stories uh, to back up my knowledge. I like a prequel and a sequel. I also love a bit of historical fiction. Yeah. He says, coming back to Castle Rock, the show, it's worth noting that the show's version of Castle Rock has on its fringes a cemetery named Harmony Hill. Um, we see Flag Like the Kid enter it in one of the final episodes of season one. And obviously we do. Yeah. He... Yeah, that's where he is arrested again after he escapes, talks to Henry after the death of Pangborn. He's taken there and then arrested and taken into the jail cells where that crazy riot takes place um, later on, which was a very disturbing, disturbing scene. Yeah. Uh, Harmony Hill is also the cemetery of Jerusalem's lot and features heavily in the Salem's lot story. Okay, good. I'll remember um, that. And he wants to talk about one other story, actually, that we've talked about vampires but what's your thoughts on werewolves? I love a werewolf. Lycanthropes, okay? Uh, here's one more King story which I know of in which a cemetery features, and that is King's seriously underrated and underappreciated werewolf movie. He wrote the script himself, adapting it from his Cycle of the Werewolf novella, Ooh. Silver Bullet. Um, he reckons this is Gary Busey's best ever role as Uncle Red, by the way. Gary Busey? Sent us a lovely clip, and I actually am going to check out this film. So I, I might watch that. I've not fair. seen it, so I'm just going to say I'm going to watch it. Uh, we could a, watch a, it, then. We could. That sounds weird. Sorry. I... Nothing like that, but no, we will watch it. Uh, a bereaved father whose son has been murdered by the werewolf reprimands the town sheriff. Um, and notes that his son is buried in Harmony Hill Cemetery. Fittingly enough, if the imagery, if the imaginary King map is superimposed on a real map of Maine, the town of Tarkas Mills, where the werewolf story is set, lies pretty much exactly between the towns of Castle Rock and Jerusalem's lot. Huh. So, he's saying that basically this is fictional right world is right in the middle. It's Tarkas Mill where this werewolf story happens. Ooh, that's so, interesting. People nowadays cannot avoid using werewolves against vampires as a storyline now what do we have in well i mean se- they can they can just choose not to do it but. but what do we have in season two that we know we've got two warring clans <gasps> oh, we in do. jerusalem's lot i'm just talking about what i'm thinking here what if it's a werewolf Is vampire the situation Sudanese and the merrills yes yeah oh i like that oh i really like that I don't know. It's just an option. Yeah. There's stuff out there. Who knows? I'll tell you what. I will pledge to you, Gary, my friend, uh, that I will read this novella before the season comes out so I can talk werewolves. So, and I will watch Silver Bullet. So let's get this straight. In your reading list, you've got the Night Shift short stories. You've got... Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot. And now you've got the werewolf novella. And I've got to watch a movie. I mean, the movie's the easy bit, mate. Okay, that's well, right. that's it. I lose attention. That's it. That's Aww. our thoughts on the official Castle Rock Season 2 trailer. Uh, we are going to re-release the Misery podcast that myself, John and Gareth did a few months ago. Yeah, great, great notes from me, though. Uh, honestly, when you hear Emma's <laughs> notes in that podcast, one of the funniest things ever, you really slacked off on that. 
So uh, John loves it. It's his favourite podcast, I think. He still listens to it regularly, he says to me. Mm, I've never uh, listened to it. Well, you should. I'm joking, of course I have. You slack uh, so we're going to put that on uh, next week. That'll be released. And then we'll be back with episode one of Castle <gasps> Rock season two in three weeks' time. So exciting, Len. Uh, as I said, any feedback, please do email us at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on social media, fan underscore critical on Instagram. At Fan Critical Pod on Twitter. And Fan Critical on Facebook. Also, we do have a Patreon account. www.patreon.com forward slash fancritical. On there, if you go to that little URL, it's in the show notes. Uh, there are options where you can get our cast episodes where we recast famous films. They we just hilarious. did uh, Batman with female that was actors. Great. That was good fun. Uh, we did The Watchmen in preparation for our Watchmen podcast. Uh, you can also commission a podcast, which our lovely Patreon Benjamin just did. And we did that. It was on the train to Busan, a great Korean zombie flick yep. uh, that you didn't really enjoy, Emma. But it was good fun to have something that we were told to watch for a change instead of having to come I up like with ideas being to instructed to as yeah. to what to do. Like yeah. Gary giving me a reading list yeah. and uh, Benjamin giving me a film to watch that I had many things to discuss about. There you go. Mm. So commission a podcast. You can even be a guest on a podcast uh, that is a great option where once a month you can become a guest on a podcast if you're choosing you know if you did it in December you could be a guest on the Star Wars the you know or Star Wars the podcast. Christmas podcast well, no that's that's garbage no one wants to be on that one oh me and Lucy are doing Netflix Christmas films it's gonna be great gonna be garbage but anyway uh, you get to be one of us it's amazing yes good quiet now thank you everybody for listening to, <laughs> uh, for listening to us we'll be back in a few weeks time for the return of Castle Rock season 2 bye bye bye